eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Everybody, welcome back. New year, new you. Same Knowles 24-7 on the bench. I am your host today, Trey Rowland, and I am joined by our transfer portal expert. Well, expert of many things, but today we're going to be talking portal, and that's my guy, my friend, my dude, Brendan Sinone. Brendan, hey, buddy. Hey, Trey. Hope your holidays were good. They were solid. Good good food, good drink, good merriment. You know, just to, mainly because I had some Chattanooga whiskey by my <laughs> that side. Right off the bat with the plug. Love it. Oh, I'm a professional, if anything. That's right. Chattanooga whiskey got me through my New Year's and my December as a Knowles fan. That was great. The Turner Group, if you got any real estate needs, Central Florida or beyond, buying, selling, anything, any sort of legal type of real estate venture you could want, the Turner Group, they are ready to go and they can help you. They're the best. And then, of course, our people, the battles end. They are, the graphics are coming out hot and heavy. It is portal season, is battles end season. So if you're not signed up, please support them because they are going to be very busy. And I think we mentioned it, Brandon, during the, the, the portion of the Chattanooga Whiskey ad read. December was a pretty rough month <laughs> for a Joe Florida State fan. However, the calendar turns, so does the page, and January's looking up. Florida State secures their own quarterback commitment in DJ Uyunglele. Nailed it. 
Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, your rivals, uh, Mario Cristobal, still trying to get somebody to say yes to his promposal to be their quarterback down in Coral Gables. Nothing there. And then newsflash to everybody. Teams that lose in the regular season also likely to lose in the playoffs. So I think January's been A-OK for Florida State fans. And um, <laughs> I'm just I'm really proud of the Internet fan base for the amount of crap that they have talked immediately following those semifinal games. I'm proud of all of you. But let's get to the important stuff. And we are going to do like a, a 2023 season retrospective. This one is just going to be totally focused on the transfer portal who they've got, who they're targeting, especially with all those official visits coming up from January 3rd to the 7th, I believe. Yep. We're going to be talking about that. The retroactive, big-picture philosophical stuff is coming later. But, Brendan, let's talk about DJ Uyunglele. He's coming in from Oregon State. FSU fans familiar with him as the like five-star-plus Clemson commit. Played there for a couple years. Had a nice little... Had a nice little rehab tour, I guess you could say, in Corvallis, mm-hmm. Oregon, where he, he showed a lot of the things that make him a valuable piece in a Mike Norvell offense. What do you think about that recruitment, his fit? What were your thoughts on the whole deal? I thought when his name first emerged as a guy who was entering the transfer portal, it made a ton of sense uh, for Florida State. I thought he had the requisite experience. Uh, he had that rehabilitation year in Oregon State, which was huge because if he just did what he did at Clemson, um, especially like the 2021 season when it was mm-hmm. his first year as a starter, nine touchdowns, uh, 10 interceptions. This didn't look great, much better the following year, but like they kind of put the the uh, kitty gloves on with him and he wasn't able to air the ball out. Oregon State, like, yes, we, we got to see this guy who was a prodigious like five-star prospect. I think 24-7 sports as, as a high school player had him ranked at 101 grade. I didn't know that existed. Me neither. I did. I thought the scale ended at 100, but I'm just I'm just a lowly podcast guy. What do yeah, I know? Yeah, I, I get paychecks from 24-7 sports all the time, and I didn't know we did 101. So uh, an idea of what he was physically, I didn't live up to that potential. But at Oregon State, with, with a good supporting cast, but not like an elite one, uh, he was extremely efficient, Trey. Like he, he threw for 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. His passer rating was 145. The ESPN QBR, which – it's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more advanced. Uh, had him at uh, what was it, eighty point nine? That was twelfth nationally. PFF grades, which do film, you know, not, instead of it just being analytics, had him in the top twenty-five. So it's like one of like maybe ten or so players nationally who checked like those proverbial boxes in uh, film, and then also just just efficiency. Uh, really got a chance to air it out through it probably as far like per average per drop back as anyone in the country right up there. Uh, so you got to see a lot of fun things, got to see him run the ball as well effectively. And so I say all these things to say like you needed a quarterback. I think that was pretty clear. Tate Rodemaker leaves like I, FSU was never going to, no, shouldn't say never, was very unlikely to turn the offense over to him in 2024. Brock Glenn, while well, he showed uh, really nice steps forward, I thought, and from game one to game two, uh, granted uh, a low bar from game one against Louisville and a really awful situation for both games for him to be. And he showed growth. I, I don't know if you felt like you could certainly like count on him to be your your starter in 2024. So you needed someone. And between DJU and then uh, Uyangalale, I've gotten really good at it as well, Trey. I've been practicing a lot. Nailed uh, him, it. him, thank you. Him and Cam Ward were the two options for FSU. I do think that FSU preferred Cam Ward in a vacuum. 
however, Cam Ward was really slow to make a decision. Uh, FSU started to kind of push for it a little bit. Uh, when that wasn't happening, uh, DJ Wongole was the guy that they they turned to, and they felt really comfortable with both of them. I think it's just Cam Ward had more upside, but uh, I think DJ is a really, really good fit for a variety of reasons. Were you, before we get into the those variety of reasons that I think we've hinted at a little bit, were you ever worried about the delay, that kind of like two-week delay from the visit to the actual decision? Did you ever think that there was a scenario where Florida State could end up with neither of Cam Ward or DJ Uyunglele? Uh, what do you, what, or, or was that kind of as the coaching staff was just how the recruitment played out and everybody was okay and it was much ado about nothing? It was getting a little tense there in the fan base for those two weeks. It, it was a tough two weeks uh, for the fan base, understandable. It was fluid uh, as we, there was things that were happening that we couldn't necessarily report. Probably still can't talk about them, but there were there were developments and a lot of it hinged on kind of Cam Ward and his decision making and uh, you know him thinking he was an NFL prospect, uh, some talking to NFL people, like people who are familiar with that, like, yeah, he, he probably will get drafted this year, uh, but is he going to be a top you know, day two guy? Probably not. Um, would yeah. it make sense for him to take uh, NIL opportunities, whether it be at Florida State or Miami or wherever else was an option, and, and maybe see if he could raise his stock? Sure. This just kind of kept getting delayed and more and more. Yeah, I think there was a little concern that you know the, the game of musical chairs would stop and um, maybe DJU would, would move on or uh, just wouldn't be as interested as, as he was. Cause you know, FSU was the school for him, right? Like that was his top choice. I think right out of the gate, uh, and he respects what Mike Norvell has done. Uh, his relationship with uh, to some extent with Derek Ray, the general manager. So like there were things that he felt really comfortable with, uh, with Florida state. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there was, I don't want to say like worry, but for me, just, just as I'm trying to project forward, like, okay, what's this going to look like when you start getting to, to new year's and, that was the latest we had heard for Cam Ward for a decision. Mm-hmm. And once you start getting into January 1st, man, and, and things started moving that evening on, on New Year's Eve. Um, but <laughs> you have these official visits with transfers and like FSU probably like having to field a lot of conversations from whether it's even an offensive transfer player, a wide receiver, a, a defensive prospect. Like who's the quarterback going to be? What's the offense going to look like? Right. Captain. Uh, you had to have an answer for that. So, you know, there was probably a three or four day stretch where I thought things were getting a little dicey, maybe in late December. Um, but you know, once once they made a decision to move forward aggressively, uh, I felt good. And I felt like they were in a good spot. I think so, too. And what about the fit or the DJ prize so much that, to my knowledge, he didn't really take any other visits? I don't even know how extensive conversations that he had with any other programs but Florida State, which is interesting for a guy that has the skill set that he does. He can push the ball vertically with the best of them. Air yard attempts in the nation. Like he would a big time throw percentage. Like this this is a coveted, this is a coveted quarterback prospect, in my opinion. What made him want to, I guess, show so much patience and sort of, I don't want to say waiting for Florida State, but really just not panicking and letting everything play out. I think so. The answer I'm going to give you is going to be a reason why one of the main reasons why I I think there's a a good fit here, and that's the answer to that trace like maturity. Um, mm. I think he looked around. This is a guy who who didn't make the right decision out of high school and had a lot of options. And Clemson ended up not being a good fit for him. There was coaching staff changes. Uh, that program has lost some of its ability to really harness 
uh, quarterback talent, as we've seen with the current guy too, with Klubnik. Like, like the, it's been a couple of years after they couldn't miss with quarterbacks and had Deshaun Watson followed by Trevor Lawrence. So um, he had to get it right. I think he was humbled a little bit. I think going to Oregon State for that rehab year uh, was, you know, it was important for him to get focused and, and to build up confidence again. But then as he looks at like what his, he's engaged now, he is a, he's an adult, like he's a, a legitimate young man. Um, and as you look, what's important to him, like I think looking at a place like Florida state that has a really well-respected offensive coach in Mike Norvell, that's done a really good job developing the last quarterback in Jordan Travis and what Tony Tokars has done there and, and the staff around them. I think understanding like, the other school that was brought up with him early on was Louisville and they ended up finding their quarterback. And I think part of it was he was also uh, looking at Florida state. And so he was looking at, at offenses or schools, excuse me, with good offensive coaches and wants to go to a spot to where he's going to do the NFL thing. If he's going to give it a legitimate shot, uh, cause I don't think he would be drafted this year. Maybe he would be late cause he's got the physical tools and yeah, the win. arm talent for sure. Absolutely. But, but if you want to become assured and, and just, just statistically, like to to be a quarterback who makes it uh, outside of a few rare exceptions, um, you know, being taken in the potential like first round or, or top two rounds is, is really like the path uh, because teams become vested in you as a quarterback. Um, so I say all that to say, like he, he made a decision for him that was in his best interest. And I think that meant maybe taking a risk as well on Florida State. And now Florida State had to take a risk on him too um, because they had to wait they had to wait with cam ward uh and and they knew like dj they would love to have him um but they had to run the risk of like maybe losing him uh and then also like stirring up the room too like you know brock glenn is going to be someone who's competitive and thinks he could play you know pretty early on and and so there was a lot of calculated risks and and i get to the point of like i think trey that this is a really good fit for both because they both need each other that became in the in the week, 10 days or so after the Cam Ward official visit, where FSU thought they nailed that, too. They thought they did a really good job with him, and they felt really comfortable with, with DJ and thought he was very studious, taking notes, mature, handling himself well. His fiance was on the trip with him. Like, there was just a lot of things that felt good about both of them. They wanted to roll the dice with Cam Ward, uh, but, like, in those few days afterwards with Cam, or maybe the week or so afterwards, to me, as it kind of got pushed, kept getting pushed back and – uh, you weren't getting the feedback anymore that you initially got from Cam where you thought you were maybe going to get a commitment from him. Mm-hmm. And he's hearing from a lot of different people uh, in his ear and his camp and stuff like that and kind of changing his tune a little bit. To me, it became a matter of you need, after what December was and just the the gut-wrenching, like the twist of the knife that you had for the snub, uh, from players, you know, kind of, you know, some of them opting out and just Jordan Travis injury, even the weeks beforehand, like everything that happened that was negative and, and ugly and didn't, didn't coincide with going 13 and 0, didn't feel right. Signing day, a lawsuit, having someone who wanted to be at Florida state, someone who's mature, someone who through his own, like, kind of like Mike Norvell path, like Mike Norvell failed and learned through failure here at Florida state DJU failed at Clemson and learned how to kind of get through it. There's something about that where I think when Mike's like, when Mike Norvell's back is against the wall, uh, he's able to, to find a way to harness that and use it positively. And having a quarterback who 
is in a similar spot in his career and kind of in the twilight of his college career and has to make it work and wants to be at Florida State, there's something valuable that, to that, Trey. Like, and that's just, I, I felt that way for a good 10 days or so more in the last few days when we were kind of hearing that, that DJU was becoming more and more likely uh, it, it just, it felt right. And it, and it made sense. Well, and we, we, you guys have talked about it on the pod. And so we college football in 2024 now is so different. The makeup of your team year to year can so drastically change and nobody has been a better conduit for Mike Norvell's message and in instilling the culture in the team over the years than Jordan Travis. Right. And not only are you having a vacuum in the quality of play with when a player like that leaves, there's also a vacuum in leadership. Mm-hmm. So this, to me, I think the main reasons why I'm excited about Uyanga Lale is the is the physical, the stuff that he does on the field. But man, right up, right up next to that is the subjective veteran locker room presence, injecting some well tested, battle tested maturity, who's also consistently been a winner now at a school that no offense beaver nation not known for not known for tremendous success and it's a lot and it's mostly been because of him so i'm excited about it on the field um how does he fit into the norvell offense what are the things that he does and what do you think are some areas in the mike norvell offense that we can do so many different things that are going to be accentuated more heavily with DJ as opposed to with Jordan this year? Like, will it look any different? Yeah. I mean, it's always going to look a little different year to year with Mike, which is a testament I think to to him and he does well, but like the ability to push the ball downfield is so big for, for Uyangalale. And then he he can do it. He's shown that he can do it effectively. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like his completion percentage is like 57% this past year. And people look at that and it's like, that's not great, but he takes a ton of shots. Right. And so that's factored into it. And that's why the other efficiency metrics are, are so high. Mike Norvell loves pushing the ball downfield. Like he, he loves taking shots and something he's always done back from his, like to his Memphis days. And they did that a ton with Jordan this year. And so that will be a big part of the offense. I think what helped out DJ a ton was at Oregon state. He threw, I think man, I might be misremembering this. He threw more passes off a of play action than he did right. in, the, in the pocket, right? Um, and, and so but Mike's rushing attacks usually very good too. And mm-hmm. and so the ability of marrying like play action stuff with DJ, and, and there's pieces that you need to now build around him to complement him. And we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But like uh, the ability to kind of have this, this power run game, or at least like, yeah, at Oregon State, it was very much so his own blocking a lot of stretch stuff, but you, you can do both. You've done both with Alex Atkins. Um, so, to, but to build this complimentary offense, you know, off of run game and then taking a lot of shots, shot after shot, like that's going to be a part of the offense always has been under Mike. And that's where it fits. Well, what, what interests me, Trey is like running ability. And Jordan had that obviously at an elite level. This is a different type though. This is, is. I, I feel like I'm not going to say that this marries better with kind of the Mike Norvell running game philosophy. Jordan's escapability in the pocket made his offensive line been look better than they were. The type of power running that DJ can have with you, I think complements the type of run game stuff that Mike Norvell likes to employ along with maybe helping you dictate getting some better looks from the defense because Jordan, he progressed so much as a passer 
I think DJ, I think DJ is a more willing, he may not be a more talented runner. He's not a more elusive runner than Jordan, but just his ability to be a more willing runner and active participant in the run game. I think that's going to help you open up the box and get you some more favorable looks. He, he, we haven't talked about this. He's 6'5", 245. He's a hoss, dude. He's <laughs> big old Samoan load. I'm so excited. It, which is funny that you know the other the, the Polynesian running back uh, Lawrence Toffoli like oh uh, it's an all it's an all Polynesian backfield dude people that have stayed with me from the roll cast though I want everybody from the islands over to Florida State but it, it's funny that like Toffoli just like a guy who's like like always assumed he was going to put on a lot of weight like this was high school coaches and stuff were saying he's obviously gotten more filled out but like you know not the biggest guy in the world and then the contrast is DJU like I thought maybe he was two twenty or so when they started recruiting him. I was like, oh no, he's legit like close to 250. And and he carries it well and he utilizes it, right? Like you mentioned mm-hmm. how running, like holy crap. Uh he I had someone in the program tell me that we will never not get a fourth and one <laughs> with him at quarterback. Oh, short yardage, but, dude. You know. Just, like, but that to me is telling of the mindset. And and I have to be careful the way I say this because I don't I don't want it to be callous. Like with Jordan in his injury history before the catastrophic, like leg break, like you would always hold your breath with him, right? When he ran. And it was more just because of sprains and like just just getting hit. And he learned he was so tough and became increasingly tougher and learned how to play through those injuries. Right. Um, yeah. but not this big, not the biggest guy around. And that was part of his magic and what made him so fun and special. Uh, is that he he looked like like a normal human being out there at, at his mm-hmm. size. Um with DJ, like you have this bat battering ram that like I don't think you know, FSU conserved Jordan, Jordan as a runner this past year. They wanted to make sure they used it in spots. Uh, with DJ, you have one year with him. He needs to maximize his ability to get to the NFL. You need to maximize him to win the most amount of games. Uh, multiple teams have shown a willingness to use him as a runner. He's been willing to, to be a runner. Uh, you have a batter in your ram, and it's full steam ahead, I think, with him and, and what your offense is going to be. And, and his legs have to be a part of it uh, to be successful. I'd be disappointed if we're – you're doing a retrospective in a year from now, Trey, and like DJ was not, not just a bully running the football and used to do that and called on to do that over and over again. You have a uh, someone who you're going to be comfortable running the ball multiple times again, like designed runs, and I think that that'll help you a little bit as you kind of reload on offense. I think so too, and it's one of those you don't have to go full like Dan Mullen with running the quarterback. All you got to do is just establish that threat, and then so right. many things, especially the vertical passing game, works off that. If there were going to be some cons before we or areas where DJ could use improvement because he's not a perfect prospect, before right. we move on to the people that go around him, down to down accuracy, touch, yep. some of that yep. still. I guess the people say his windup kind of gives him a little bit of pause or hesitancy. What do you, what do you think about that evaluating his film? It, it is an unorthodox throwing motion. I'm a proponent of usually the more concise it is the least margin for error. You know, I, I don't know if quarterback coaches and, and, you know, quarterback gurus would, would say otherwise, but yeah, I'm, I'm a long suffering Jacksonville Jaguars fan. I lived through the Byron Leftwich era and, and yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it can impact things, going to impact accuracy, timing, um, how that being said, there's a ton of velocity with it too. And and I do wonder if sometimes like if touch is an issue for him. Uh, I think the windup does impact accuracy, Tom, uh, some um, to, to an extent. Um, those are the main things. And like yeah, accuracy is going to be important, right? That's a part of, of being a good quarterback is being accurate. Um, the trade-off though is the ability to push the ball downfield effectively 
uh, he can do that. And so like, again, like 57% completion percent percentage, I know doesn't look inherently good. It, it does point to maybe him not being super concise in some areas, but like his completion percentage on shorter throws trailer, actually pretty good. Like they're, they're high level. Um, he could push the ball downfield and that's just the trade-off with it a little bit. It's like, okay, you might have some, some areas where you're not as consistent throwing the ball down to down, but um, he can uncork it and that, over a period of time, when you hit those shot plays, that changes games more so than, than the dinking and dunking. I mean, that's that's why Mike Ravel's the head coach of Florida State. You're describing his gameplay. That's yep. that, that's the maybe success rate isn't the best, but man, you make up for it on those explosives, which are the plays that generate the most bang buck bang for your buck on points. And it, it he, fits really well, man. Yeah, it fits really well. the last is like with Cam Warden. I know I said like the FSU, like he was a, a the one A and probably the one for them, and and then DJ was a tier behind, and that was it. Like those were the quarterbacks. Uh, Cam, like with his athleticism and just like his, some of his like his, his like wrist talent, like the way he can change like trajectory on throws. And um, he could have been in everything breaking, right. Like a, an elite quarterback next season. If he went to Florida state. Yeah. And I think the floor, I think there's more variance too. I think the floor yeah. with DJ is higher. The ceiling with Ward is potentially higher. I guess one last question before we move on. If, if Florida state whiffed on Ward and uh, DJ, you think that they'd still be looking for a transfer for quarterback? Or you think they would have rolled with Brock? I mean, they'd have to just from a number standpoint, like you can't go in the season with two scholarship quarterbacks, yeah. right? Um, they would have found someone, um, someone who maybe wasn't even in the portal right now. Like they, they would have found someone okay. at some point, but like you need to get them in in January and you need to get them in for, for to start building chemistry and spring ball and stuff like that. So fortunately did not come to that for, for Florida state. Well, speaking of chemistry, who on the offensive side of the ball is he going to be building chemistry with as far as like returning production? Uh, I think we've seen pretty encouragingly most of the offensive lines coming back. We saw the battles in and out some deals with Lawrence Tofili. Like who who have you seen? Like the announcements have been the updates have always been there. And if you're on Knowles247.com, I'm telling you stuff you already know. But, Brendan, who's DJ going to be suiting up with uh, that are returning members from the 2023 Seminoles? Yeah, the Battle's End announced uh, agreement reached with Darius Washington, first team All-ACC offense alignment. The, the Mr. Malleable, chess piece, can, can play all five positions and uh, has, has learned to play them all well. Uh, so super valuable. He was huge. Keandre Jones, really good run blocker. Uh, if, if he's able to have a healthy offseason, someone who you can see growth from, Maurice Smith, uh, pretty reliable at, at center, a veteran, Robert Scott, you know, you need him to be to be healthy. But that's four components of your offensive line. I don't think Jeremiah Byers has been announced. I think the expectation is he'll come back. We will see. So you're, you're talking about like that's your nucleus of, of five offensive linemen uh, with starting experience. Um, so that's good. You mentioned Lawrence Philly, Like he, he played really well this past season. Uh, so then – you, know, you kind of look at, okay, younger wide receivers, Destin Hill, Hiking Williams, those guys take the next step. Kyle Morlock expected back. Uh, Kaziah Holmes, I expect to be put on scholarship and and be a more regular piece of the offense at running back. So you have some like decent pieces, but we'll get into it like soon, I'm sure. Uh, transfer portal is probably going to be a necessity for you to uh, – to uh, Ken Trump Portier, I should say, and Ja'Kai Douglas as well. But like the transfer portal is probably going to be pretty important for you to, to go ahead and supplement a few more pieces and – and kind of figure out who DJ Uangalele is comfortable with too, right? 
Yeah, it's good. It's good that he's in and that he can be active in this in this sort of process to to see who his teammates are going to be. As far as the transfer portal, I'm with you. There's a lot of the like, good core nucleus coming back. Some guys that are reliable. Like I thought, Jakai Douglas had a really good bowl game with all that he was asked to do. Excited to see him coming back, dude. Him and the Wildcat. Like that's yeah, the thing I didn't know. That was like okay. He's a good runner, man. He's a good runner. So we, hopefully, we can utilize him. <laughs> some of that vertical slot production that we got, you know, back when Florida state wasn't very good in like 2020, 2021, he's got it in him. He's a very effective piece. Then you got guys like Kaziah Holmes, Tofili, Kentron, Kentron had a really big catch in the bowl game, but I think Florida state on the offensive side of the ball, I still think we need to add a few more ready-made kind of game changing talents who who are they targeting are there any offensive guys coming in in this like this this early january visit period who are some names to know on the offensive side of the ball from the transfer portal brendan we have four or five offensive names uh, from transfer portal confirmed right now a caveat we're recording this on tuesday afternoon it's fluid, fluid. It's fluid. It's, i want to say it. you always get to say it it's fluid baby <laughs> even in the terms of like do those guys show up? What if they go visit somewhere else and they commit? Or do you add guys to the li- like? It's just the transfer. Oh, it's the form. most fluid right now. It's never been more liquid right now than this fluidity that we've got. Gushing. Um. So. Oh. <laughs> show. Uh, we. I'm happy that Trey that we talked about uh, some of the strengths of DJU and what we think like the offense, shot plays, uh, mm-hmm. strong run game. We're gonna be. I think that's where you start looking at some of the guys that they're expected to have on campus start making sense a little bit like three wide receivers or I guess one's more of a gadgety guy uh all like smaller guys but really fast Lejante Wester uh from FAU had over a thousand receiving yards this this past year South Florida dude uh Jabre Barber from Troy uh like actually from like the Dothan area too so South Alabama he had about a thousand yards this past year both those guys are fun super dynamic twitchy kind of similar skill sets uh, in sizes with each other so like clearly fsu's looking at you know speed deep speed someone who can help you out vertically speaking of speed jalen lucas from indiana he is the brother of jakai douglas who we mentioned uh so a uh, good genes there in that family with the, with the speed they have like jalen was a running back technically but he had a, about 250 rushing yards almost the same uh receiving yards this past season and was one of the top like five or so kick returners in the country in yards per carry so like that's a starting point of of what potential uh, skill talent would look like for you and guys you want to bring in, talk to and, and see, I guess what, what they have uh, to offer, but like speed, speed shows up there, man. And then Pearson Toomey is the other uh, name that we have. Yeah. Uh, Pearson, to- I always want to call him Parker Toomey, um, which I don't know why, but Pearson Toomey is the other name that we have confirmed uh, for official visitors on offense. He is an offensive lineman played at Furman. Oh, a uh, paladin. Nice. FCS looked good in purple. Uh, he looks, he's from Jacksonville Beach. He just looks like Jacksonville Beach. He's got the long hair. Uh, I, he blocks like he'd be from Jack's Beach too, man. Like he, he has a little mean streak to him. Not <laughs> I don't even know team. what that means, dude. What do you mean he blocks like he's from Jack's Beach? <laughs> Jack's Beach got a little ruggedness to it. He got a little ruggedness to it. And he's, he's got I live there. Stuff. I feel you, dude. Okay. I got you. <laughs> um, I got you. And, uh, and he's been fought like – before I knew FSU was like for sure in on him too. Like he popped in the portal, uh, pulled up PFF grades. You're like, okay, competent here. 75, 79, I think back to back years. Uh, and they played well against South Carolina this past season. Watch that. And he's pushing like legitimately pushing SEC defense alignment around. Like, okay, there is, there is something there. 
Uh, so they get him in on January 3rd. And then he's supposed to visit South Carolina as well. Clearly, they 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 thought he was pushing him around for him to go visit there. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's it for him right now. Uh, so that would be really nice if you can go and get him, someone who's malleable. I love that word. Can play tackle, can play guard. Can he snap? Is it important to you? I don't know about that one, but um, oh, we always work in your stuff, don't the, you? Buddy? Those <laughs> are the those are the four offensive players that we have confirmed right now that FSU expects right now. Any other names that they're connected to that may not be visiting in this period? And Brendan, if they don't visit during this third through the seventh time period, are they a realistic target for Florida State? Probably not. I think I forget when the semester starts. That's important. Really it's important. Like drop ad, right? All yep. that sort of stuff. I think drop ad is the eleventh. Now you know, there will be some flexibility typically for for athletics. You can get someone in a little bit later. Generally speaking, though, you want them in um, ASAP. And, and that's been an important thing for mid-year guys for Mike Norvell. Unless it's a Keon Coleman type, but you find in May. And then you, <laughs> yeah, we're fine, you, dude. You figure that one out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there are two names, though, that I think that you're going to try to get in for official visits this week. See if it works out for you. And there's different things you're trying to, trying to figure out with scheduling and, and fit and, and other things like that. Um, and the first name is Evan Stewart. Texas A&M wide receiver. Yep, that sounds yep. good. Big name. I think he's the number one wide receiver in the portal right now, if not right up there. Um, speed, again. Like, are you noticing a theme here, Trey? Like, speed is really, really important um, for wide receiver. So that that is a guy who uh, I believe that there's mutual interest in. To what extent? Like, does it manifest itself and in, in lead into an official visit? Hands in the air. Like, we will see, uh, again, January 2nd as we're – Recording this, we, we will see if you can get Evan Stewart to show up. The other one, Penny Boone, running back from Toledo, uh, and he is a hoss. He is uh, 240 pounds, I think. Uh, previously played at Maryland. Uh, he lost weight, so he might be 230 now, um, but lost weight, had a breakout season at Toledo because he was a little little thinner, I think like 1,400 rushing yards. Ooh, Very quick feet at that, yeah. Yeah, that size. Yeah, he goes by Baby Bus, uh, so Jerome Bettis. Uh, <laughs> What would like a baby bus be? Um, I mean, I know, I know something that's a that's a smaller bus, but I'm probably not going to give a nickname to a kid and do it. All right, fair enough. Uh, moving, yeah. moving. I like on. baby bus. That'll work. Uh, yeah, I think it was on three reported that Kentucky and Louisville were also of interest, and they've added some transfer running backs. Uh, this is we talk about speed with all these other pieces around that you're you're looking at bringing in to kind of see. Uh, this is the opposite of speed. Not to say he's slow, but this is a game predicated on power, right? Power yeah. and, and strength and just being able to destroy defenders. And so the idea of, as we talk about the fit with, with DJU, imagine if you're able to get this guy on, on campus and, and everything worked out well and it fit uh, two 240-pounders in the backfield simultaneously. We could call him the Econo van or something, the panel van, Penny the panel van, Boone. Yeah, I'm, there's, I'm glad I gave you some time to think on that. Yeah, yeah. Guys in the comments, please. Any other sort of shorter than a bus but still formidable motor vehicles, please go ahead and go go ahead and submit those. No, I'm with you, man. It's one of those deals where Florida State, while having one of the most productive offenses in the country, short yardage befuddled the Knowles a little bit on obvious rundowns yeah. to get, to get some help, especially with a quarterback who's 
I just like having a big, a big old nasty physical backfield. I think it's great. So stick. With it feels us. good, right? Like just it to, does. It feels good, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like, all right, we we got this. Uh, and again, with Parker or damn it, Pearson to me. I told you, I want to keep doing that. Well, Pearson to the, the frat shag offensive lineman thing from Jack's Beach. It's either Pearson or Parker, right? <laughs> that uh, the potential, the potential power in the backfield, and then the speed out wide. Like it seems pretty clear what you're trying to accomplish. Whether you do, yep. you know, we will see, but. They have a plan. They have a, an idea of what they want their identity to be in 2024, and I'm cool with that. I think in, in sportsmen, knowing who you are, what you are, strengths and limitations, it's just there's something that feels good about that, and, and I think that's kind of what they're starting to aim towards. On the offensive side of the ball, what do you think is the biggest like position of need that needs a shot in the arm? Is it that extra lineman? Is it the speed at mm-hmm. wide out? Is it a productive running back? Or is it even a position that maybe they haven't targeted yet? Where do you think like the biggest need is for them on the offensive side of the ball? We have had people ask about tight end. And I think you go through the spring to kind of see what you have um, and, and see what Landon Thomas is and if he's a day one guy for you. Um, just because I know people have asked. Um, Quarterback would have been the biggest need, right? Like I felt mm-hmm. like you absolutely had to have yep. it. Um, you had to at least have someone who was going to push Brock Glenn. Uh, and then once Tate Rodemaker left, like I felt like, yeah, you, you had to have a, a capable body. And you, and you have more than that now with, with DJU. Uh, wide receiver, I think, is the one like – I would be shocked, Trey, if they left the portal cycle without a a speedy wide receiver. Uh, now, now, you know, offensive line's close to it, but like they can – I wouldn't – they could leave without a running back and I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, because you have Cam Davis, you, you have guys who you, you feel good about. Cause I Holmes, Lawrence Tofield, you, you feel yeah, all right. for sure. You have wide receiver. I think just with the youth, like the younger guys you have out there, saw some of that kind of show up with miscommunication and whatnot. And, and the, uh, the exhibition bowl, I, uh, I think you need a speedy wide receiver, man. I think that, I think that's a must. I think that compliments DJU. I would be very surprised that they exited the process without that. Yeah, and I think so too. A lot of the same reasons that you just said, but inject injecting a little bit of age and maturity into a young, very, very talented room mm-hmm. like that FSU wide receiver room, especially with the four really talented guys they have coming in. Right. I, I'm with you. I, I, I like the moves that they're making there. Now, defense, I would say the offensive moves are going to be nice. Uh, to complement what you're bringing in at quarterback. Quarterback is obviously the most glaring need. I would say in the defensive side of the ball, the needs are more dire. They're more important. And I think that they're more, they're going to be more indicative on how that 2024 season is going to go. Just because you got a lot of talented veteran guys leaving. So I think the first position that everybody wants to start with, and I think it's, it makes sense. It's the premier defensive position. That's edge. They've already addressed one, uh, one need at that position with Marvin Jones Jr. That's another talented prospect coming in. Who are some other guys they're looking at at edge, Brendan? And they, Announce your attention to Patrick Payton, which we were, yeah, where we were what late November, uh, or no, sorry, it was early December. God, speaking of fluid news, dude, yeah, that is huge. So, good job, battle's end. Yes, yeah, that was that was important. So, you have those two, uh, which is a nice building block. Uh, you also announced uh, Byron Turner as well. No announcement for Gilbert Edmond, I guess we'll see. I mean, still, you know, early January here, but um, I say all that because, yeah, you're still are looking at at a defensive end. You're still looking at a, at a pass rusher. Uh, and I think uh, the, the name that you – know, I think that's the most important position on defense right now for you to, to go ahead and replace Jared Verse with. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And it just so happens that you are scheduled on January 4th to have a day and change visit. I think it's the only one that, that this guy has set up of the four that he has set up that, that trickles into a second day, even a little bit, is Nick Scorton from Purdue. Um, he is from Texas initially. Pretty close to Texas A&M, which will be his first visit. So you have to weather that storm. Have to make sure they don't shut things down, make them want to stay at home. A little bit of anxiety there. But but Nick Scorton is awesome. He is so much fun. As soon as we found out he was entering, I think just collectively is like the recruiting people on, on the Knowles 24-7 staff. Like, like we're like, yes, like that is what it looks like. He was someone that we had on the radar, just like looking at his production at Purdue that would make sense. Six foot four, 280 pounds, number one pass rusher in the transfer portal, top 10 player in the portal right now. Uh, fun, fun to watch, powerful, as productive and efficient as a pass rusher. They get 10 sacks, but like the PFF pass rush grade was in the 90s. It was really close to Jared Verse. So if you can find a another way, yet again, Trey, to get a dynamic NFL caliber defensive end in the portal, they've, they've done it twice now. If you can find it a third way, that, that would be massive and I expect FSU to make a like a push to go all in here for for Scorton. The are there any like extracurricular relationships as far as like we know like any extracurricular factors that are pointing in Florida State's favor? You said Texas A&M, he's from Texas. Are there any did he have any involvement with anybody on Florida State staff during his recruitment or is it honestly Florida State's pedigree of hey I, man transfer here and you get drafted in the first round? I think you're I think that is the, the latter. Yeah, I think the the path to NFL draft success uh, and need, right? Also and then sure. supporting cast to like the fact that you now have two defensive ends as well like keep them fresh, rotate around, complementary like different types of body types, like all of that I think is is appealing. Uh, the, like the one connection point, like I don't know of any uh, previously uh, with coaching staff, but like the one thing that I think was really important is as soon as he entered the transfer portal, uh, FSU was in play. And it, it, immediately he was, his name was connected immediately. Yeah. And typically not always. And with Texas and him again, that's the one he's also visiting Oklahoma and Missouri. I think I switched them around in order, Missouri, then Oklahoma. Um, 
I think Texas A&M is the one that scares me a little bit just because Elko's a good defensive coach. It's close to home, so you have to weather that one, right? But, like, FSU has a ton to offer. Uh, they have a lot of success with transfer defensive ends. Coaching staff does well, usually with transfers, just in terms of recruiting. I know the high school recruiting hasn't been great for the defensive staff at times, but, like, mm-hmm. portal recruiting for those guys, typically really good. So. Uh, optimism there that Florida state has a chance to go ahead and land the best defensive end in the, in the transfer portal. Like that, that's a real thing at the very least, man, right now, 25% chance. Like that's, that's probably where you're at. It's probably higher than that. Okay. Okay. I won't make you give your percentages yet because this is a fluid situation. Um, uh, All right. Uh, Any other, any other edge names that Florida state's looking at right now or with with retaining Peyton, getting Marvin Jones jr. And then this kid, uh, nothing right now. Nothing right now. Um, nothing right now. Again, fluid transfer portal. We'll, we'll see. I would be interested, like if you don't get Scorton, which yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's an option. Like you kind of have to go ahead and, and get him. And, and no, you, you know what I like to again I'm talking about strengths. Like, uh, would you agree with this? Like, the defense is being rebuilt right now. It's losing a ton. You have to find at least something to hang your hat on. And I think like defensive end with what you have with Marvin and Pat. Like, if you can add another one, like that would be fun, man. And that would give you something that you know what you are, which is a really good pass rushing group. And it's an identity that they've honestly cultivated since like Adam Fuller's time here. Sure. And as, as they've added depth on the defensive side of the ball, having the strength of your defense, be your defensive line is something that's been consistent. It's, and it's given you cleaner play from your linebackers and it's given you secondary play that is, gotten much better than I expected to year to year to where by the back half of the season, you were one of the best pass defenses in the entire, in the entire country. And a lot of that was due to the game records that you had up front. So before we go to, I think, I don't know if it's sneakily after watching the bowl game, (laughs) one of the biggest positions in need linebacker before that, I want to talk about our other, I want to talk about the other defensive line prospect. We're getting a little European here because we've got a big six, seven, 315-pound British, British defensive tackle and Emmanuel Oyebadejo. If he comes to Florida State, he's officially the governor forever. So talk to me about this Peaky Blinder and how he got on and how he got on FSU's radar, man. What a, what a story. The funny, like, to me, like, the story, even how it got on our radar, I won't say how it happened. We got, like, we just got a tip from someone not in program about it. And, like, but we didn't know who. We just knew it was a a UK defensive end, and we had an idea where, like, what program he was coming from. You want to start looking up where, like, if you think, like, ju- junior college, like, recruits are hard to find and they kind of disappear sometimes, try finding, a, like, you don't have a name. You have maybe the right football. They're not really teams there. They're clubs. And I could not find a roster. Like, I, it was crazy. I didn't rely on – I'd have a buddy help me just use, like, what I was doing Twitter and Instagram searches. Like, even, like, the live, the live tweets from this team's game, they would just say numbers. Like, they wouldn't say the players' names necessarily. So, I had nothing, Trey. Like, it was crazy. My <laughs> buddy finally found out – found a name on a tryout. And I was like, all right, we had two or three other names too that we were finally able to start looking at. So I I looked at so many limeys talking about like football. Like it was I showed so my wife limeys. at one point. She's like, This is really sad that you're spending your New Year's doing this. I was like, this is the job and it's fun for me. I love doing these like crazy, like uh wild goose chases. Um, so, anyways, found the name, 
put on the film and instantly he was like six, seven, three fifteen. I'm like, I think this is going to be him. Watch one play. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's gotta be the guy. Because if you are going to recruit someone from a British American football club, he has to look like he doesn't belong. And he has to look like he's just beating the crap out of little children. And that's what it looked like. And oh, so, nice. All right. Yeah. I mean, they were. They were adults, you know. Like it yeah, was, they're it was adult fun. British children. They're but he made them look He made them look childish in how he played and yeah, how he moved. Bad teeth, so, sun deficient, not enough vitamin D. I bet I my mean, boy, I, oh, yeah, I the wrecking. I don't know. The, the quarterback on their team was very suave. I will say that. He impressed me. But, yeah, so Emmanuel Ayobadejo, uh, six foot seven, 315 pounds. I think he's a defensive lineman. Maybe he's an offensive lineman. They want to get him in, see how he fits, see, like, make sure all the physical, like, you know, as much as they can. They're pretty confident on the size. But, like, you haven't seen him in person yet. I don't know if it's, like, a verified camp Nike combine situation over there. So there are some variables, right? Uh, but they want to get him in this week. I think he comes on the 4th of January. See how that works. But, like, I think it's a pretty good plan of, like, if, if it checks out, if he is physically what you think he is, okay, cool. Like, then I think you move forward with that. And I think he has four years to play three. So a little bit of time to develop. But, like, the movement skills, I implore everyone to go to Knowles 24-7. We have the YouTube clip of him up there. It is, It is fun. It is fun of what he could be. And Brandon promises once we get the measurables, we will convert them over to the metric system just to keep uh, just to keep European integrity. How many meters tall he is and things of that nature. That's fun, man. Transfer portal season is the best. Like what a weird, what a weird deal that might actually end up in Florida State's favor. Now let's talk about the linebackers, uh, Americans. So a little bit more traditional here. You got a couple guys coming in. I would say the linebacking unit is in another. Another younger group, I think that we saw, and it was an exhibition, so I'm not even going to like extrapolate too much. But there are some, if there's a, a room on the entire team where you know what you're going to get the least, I would think it's linebacker. Just a lot of untested younger guys who have shown flashes, like you saw like in that orange exhibition, you saw like Omar Graham snuffing out a screen looking really good, and then... I don't know, a quarter later, a little bit out of place. So there's still some there's still some reps that need to be had there. Do you think Florida State feels the same? And who are the guys that they're targeting at linebacker? And what sort of quality are they at? Yeah, I think that they do feel similarly, Trey, to the point where I would expect two linebackers to be taken at two. a minimum, okay. two in the transfer portal. So earlier I said about defensive end, I thought was more of a need. I think just like the ability to get a splash player, like an impact player is more important for defensive end, but you need just capable bodies at linebacker with the departure of DJ Lundy. Then the drop off with just like inexperience and youth. Like I think really highly of Justin Cryer and Blake Nicholson, what they will be. I don't think you go into the season with them being your like one and two. Right. And I don't know if Omar Graham's shown enough at this point to where I'd feel comfortable with him, even being your number three guy, unless he makes really big strides. So that's concerning because those right. are the those are the only guys on the roster that you have right now. So it is a need in the sense of like you have to walk away with with at least one, probably two, who knows even more. And to their point, they have cast a pretty wide net. Uh, and I think they're gonna have at least two, at least two. There might be some other ones that are being fluid and, and, and whatnot, uh that they would like to talk about here. Fluidity is important, uh, being flexible with your your recruits, especially at a position need. But they have two that I'm intrigued by, and one is uh Nakia Hill Green. He might be a familiar name to some of our like really, really in-depth 
recruit Knicks uh, for Florida State because he was recruited last year in the transfer cycle. He was out of Michigan, didn't play a ton there, had some injuries, ended up going to Charlotte uh, and, and did really well. He had almost 80 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two sacks, uh, decent efficiency metrics too. He's six foot two, 240 pounds. And like his film is fun because he, he legit like he could move. Uh, there is some range there that's really important. He's currently committed to UCF. Mike can maybe, you know, stick it to Gus and, and get a flip there. Uh, he's expected to to visit uh, later. No, they're, they're buddies. Uh, to have uh, him on campus later this week. I think on, uh, where was it? Third? Yeah, the third to the fifth he'll be at Florida State. Oh, so multi-day. That's good. Yeah, I would say that you're probably trending pretty well. You have a pre-existing relationship from there. We know that Randy Shannon loves linebackers from the Carolinas. He plays college football in Charlotte. So, like, you know, it makes sense. But, no, he's – He's solid. He would help elevate the room for sure. At least the floor, if not be a, a really solid starter for you. I think there's some tools there that the other guys don't have right now at this point in their careers. And then the other name is Stefan Thompson, uh, Stefan uh, from Syracuse. He's played in 36 college games, 21 starts, so pretty experienced, almost 200 career tackles, 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks. Really good metrics, Trey. Like every single year he's played, he was hurt in 2022, but three other seasons he's been 70 or better. Per PFF, uh, he is from North Carolina. Just oh, Petey Pablo oh. linebacking unit. Look <laughs> at you, Randy. Uh, the the thing that I'd wonder about with him is that he played in that Syracuse like three three five stack scheme where they would often like put him more on the edge. Oh, uh, okay. That'd be so, different. Like, he's, yeah. he's six one two fifty. Oh, he he has of his like his is how his snap counts are distributed uh, over his his career. He's got 685 against the run, 516 as a pass rusher, and only 285 dropping into coverage. So a pretty like distinct like difference there. So is he a defensive end? Is he somebody try him as more of a like linebacker? Do you kind of alter the scheme to make it more of like a like a stud kind of position? I don't think you alter the we, we to me this kind of sounds like and I'd have to watch the kids film just to see how it performed in the drop back role. To me it, it sounds like you're kind of just re-getting yourself into like an Amari Gainer situation where you get into a man without a country a little bit. If he's not comfortable in space. Because Florida State what they they want to dominate you up front, play a light box. That means you need to have linebackers that are comfortable in space, like a kid like a Kalen Deloach. And sometimes that you put a little extra on their plate as far as like blitzing and coverage and things like that. I would be very interested to see, like you said, you, you told me the snap counts, which seem a little concerning to me. I'd have to look at the film to see what they're seeing him as and where they're seeing him at. Have we confirmed that they are recruiting him as a true linebacker, Brendan? Yeah, true linebacker. I don't know if I could say true, but but linebacker, like yes. okay. Um, I'm interested. I don't want to. You need somebody who can fit in the scheme that was just the top ten defense in the country. You know, it, and like to be fair, so his PFF coverage grade this past year was only 96 dropbacks, but still, like that's 100 snaps. Like that's enough uh, to, to have some sample size. 76.3. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, bad at it. Now other years was in the 50s, but at least not this like major liability. More so, it's like. Is he going to be one of the two guys standing up in your four-two-five? Like that would be different for him. If you go back to maybe more of like what you wanted a couple of years ago, and I think it was just a matter of like, you know, Omari didn't necessarily fit there well. They just they struggled to find a way to use him. But like Adam Fuller's used hybrid linebackers before. That's kind of the beauty of his scheme is that third spot has been you know, two years ago it was like a a, a quicker nickel. Uh, last mm-hmm. year it was a bigger nickel with Jerry and Jones. Year before it was Amari Gainer. 
and it just didn't work out for them the way they wanted. But like he's had success with that type of stuff at previous stops. So like we it's will see. It's a good what point. It looks like, um, but also just like the linebacker market's not amazing. You have a need at it. This is a capable football player. He he hits with a ton of power. He can get after the quarterback. Like there's he's a football player, and I think that Trey like to me is like the the big takeaway with the guys they're bringing in. High floor guys, almost all of them. A lot of them are veterans, and a lot of guys to me who seem just like like solid. Not a whole lot other than like Scorton and DJ who are like elite type of guys, but a floor raisers, stability and and gritty. And I think you know as we start looking at the big picture, of what floor state could be in twenty twenty four. I think those become buzzwords and, and ways you maybe start looking at this this team as it reloads. Do you want let, – let's get to that unless there's any specific other names that you want to talk about because, Brennan, you have great visibility not just with how involved you've been with Florida State and the transfer portal, what they've done, the historical kind of significance, how they've operated in the space before, but you have really good visibility about the entire country because you do a lot of national work with the transfer portal. So unless there's any other specific guys that you want to name – uh, yeah, real, real quick, Trey, uh, yeah. Grady Kelly from Colorado State, defensive tackle, uh, multi-year yep. guy. Uh, he's from uh, he's from the Panhandle, I think Navarro. He looks like he's from Navarro and plays like uh, no. Um, he, he's a solid, not, not the biggest guy around, uh, but like again, that's you're talking about someone who's like 6'2", 285, but really, really high energy guy, physical, uh, technically sound, scrappy gym rat type of type of guy. Um, there is. <laughs> There is a floor, uh, you know, defensive tackle is so tricky. You don't know what that's going to look like next year. Who gets retained, who doesn't, who gets a waiver, who stays in the transfer portal, who re-ent, like, there's a lot. So The news is fast and furious on the defensive line. Especially a defensive tackle. Um, so, yeah, you're bringing him in for an official visit this week. I don't think they've locked that in yet, but that's the plan. I imagine that recruitment moves quickly if, if that all clears out on Florida State's end. That a guy who's relatively local. Uh, and then, and then the other name that I haven't mentioned yet, uh, and that was on offense, and I should have mentioned earlier. He just entered the transfer portal, and that's Lance Hurd from from LSU, former five star offense tackle. Big name, big yeah. name, big name, because he was recruited by Alex Atkins before, and they've gone back to the well before, and it hasn't. You know, Marius Mims, and then the uh, the Alabama guy, who probably was probably a good thing that it didn't work out uh, that way uh, this past couple weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is a guy who I think FSU would have interest in. He's just entered the transfer portal. Um, yeah, so a really highly ranked guy. But those are some other names that, that I would throw out there. So I'm sorry. Uh, let's go back to, to what we No, were. don't you ever be sorry for giving, us, giving our people more information. They deserve it, and damn it, they're going to get it. As far as like how Florida State's historically recruiting this transfer portal cycle, are they recruiting like a team that is – I mean, what sort of team goal? Can you extrapolate like team goals, like what they're looking mm. to accomplish? Are they looking to add stability? Are they looking to just add veteran leadership? Are they looking to add talent? Are they looking to add depth? If you had to look at it from an objective observer like you are, what sort of season is Florida State signaling that they're preparing for with their transfer portal activity? So, like last year was almost like this this drafting players type to deal, right? It like was it all was, in. That was in the, me- that was in the battles and messaging. It was like all in going for it all. Like what's the tag? I mean, the tagline from battles end is ready to respond. I mean, what, what's Brendan Sinone's tagline for how this, how this team is getting prepared for 2024. Um, 
And hmm. if you don't know, that's fine. That's yeah, I don't know if I have a tagline for it. I, I, so what I think this is to me is a blend of the last two portal cycles. It is okay. the the ceiling of it, right? We love our floor ceiling analogies, probably done it three or four times. Let's just stick with it here at this point. Fluid, we said fluid uh, about 87, so I think they're okay with a couple of floor ceilings. <laughs> uh, the upside of this transfer portal class is a Marvin Jones Jr., who's an NFL talent, and I think at a 93 grade, or a DJU is like a 90 grade, like he's a legit blue chip quarterback. Nick Squirton, if you get him, Squirton, if you get him, is a top 10 transfer prospect at a position of need. So like if you get Evan Stewart on campus and if you get him and there's some stuff happening now, like on Twitter where he just eliminated, uh, yeah, he just eliminated Tennessee, uh, which is good because that's uh, an SEC oh. school that would be, have a competitive NIL package. So, We're still in it. Okay. It's like uh, the bachelor with the yeah. roses. Um, Fantastic. So anyways, like that would be another top 10 type of prospect in the portal. So like that is the upside. That is the the ceiling of what this class can be. That reminds me of, of, of what largely last cycle was. Uh, but then there are some elements of like 2021 where like you were getting guys who kind of fit the old way of transfer portaling of like they're in the portal for a reason. They might have an inherent flaw with them um, that for whatever reason, like it just, there's a reason why they are available. And I think like it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like with Grady Kelly, He's 6'2", 285. But, like, is he probably going to go and beat – like, if FSU got their hands on him, would he be an effective player for you in your defensive tackle rotation? Yes. Would Pearson, Parker, Toomey be an effective offensive lineman for you who could push for a starting spot and probably do pretty well even though he's 6'3", 295? Yes. And those are both guys who are within two and a half hours of you each way on I-10. And and so, like, there's this idea of, like, I think in some ways you're having to – like, you're getting guys who – are experienced and maybe not the NFL type of pedigrees that you were getting just grabbing after this patio where you're getting a Jaheim Bell or you're getting a Keon Coleman or you're, you're going ahead and grabbing Braden Fisk who like, yeah, you could watch him play and like knew that there was NFL like tools there. It's a little different this year, uh, especially the linebackers too. Like those aren't NFL guys by my estimation, maybe Hill Green could be, uh, but you're doing things to stabilize and to kind of replenish and, help out with like you're getting guys who are going to be good especially dju like are going to be good fits for what's going to be a really young roster next year like they they have a lot of freshmen and sophomores who they want to build around or second year players i should say they're going to want to build around um and there's going to be some learning curve stuff with that too so does that make sense it's like this balance of floor raising i think with you try to take your shots and invest in a few premium positions in the portal that's what they're trying to do do you like that strategy yeah I do. It feels, it feels right. I mean, do I love, like, was it more fun last year when they had half their class already done in the first like week of the transfer portal? Yeah. But we knew what the deal was then. And that was, they were bringing everyone back. They were making the run. They were going to push their chips all into the middle of the table and they were going to have really good odds to win it all. And damn it. Like they should have had a chance. Yeah, to win I mean, they played, played it hundred percent right and got jobbed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that impacts things. Like we'll talk about this in the retrospective, but like, did I think I was one of the few people saying like that, that snub is going to impact the way you're viewed for at least a foreseeable future. And the early signing period with high school guys, like that impacted you, that, that impacted what you had to sell and the way FSU was just viewed and energy or momentum or whatever, like entity you want to talk about and how you view 
life and 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 how that trends like fixes to people and stuff like that oh man get you real get you real but like it did (laughs) existential yeah but it did it it did you could sense it you could feel it and that's what happened and this off season to me is about healing and it's about like go ahead and i know that's going to sound sappy it's about reloading feeling good again feeling whole again and then starting to build it back up Right. And that's kind of where you're, you're smiling because I know, I know, you know, people are still laughing at me. So I, I know. Because it sounds like you're smart. describing the plot of like Mona Lisa smile or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think DJU I get what is you mean, the man. perfect like stabilizer. This is, it seems to be a stabilizing class. And I'm, to me, as far, I just want to ask your opinion on it. I don't think that any judgments analysis like declarative statements should be made until after everything is done but i am interested to see because the guys that are going to get in and get committed to this program is going to give you an internal mindset of what they're gunning for next year and i find that to be eminently fascinating i think it's interesting what do you I think, think it's very like based on what i what you're hearing from me right now what does it feel what is your tagline uh well right now it would be stop the bleeding like to me i i hear a lot of stability i hear yeah i hear a lot of yeah julia roberts live laugh love stickers all that good stuff uh i hear a lot of that i do i they're not shying away from the most talented dudes in the portal evan stewart's nick nick scorton's things like that Mm -hmm. but there's also a mix of like of trying to prevent the catastrophic, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Now to me, it's like, do I really want to say that it's all about stability and like trying to stem the tide and just like holding on for when some of that youth, your talented youth gets older and then they go and land an Evan Stewart and a Nick Scorton. It's like, okay, well no dude, they're like, they're, they're coming for the playoffs again next year. I just don't know yet. And I think that it's funny that they're, the roster and where this program is at is at a very interesting position, especially with college football in 2023, because at a program like Florida state, you go for it all every single year. That's the standard. That's that's the expectation. And that was the standard and the expectation when you were guaranteed that the five star freshman you got, you'd have them for three or four years to develop with college football in 2023. You're seeing these, I mean, Florida state did it this year. Is it the precursor to what they're going to do every single year? We don't know yet. A team like Ole Miss, they got their quarterback coming back, and they're basically like, they're basically like Florida State. They're they're Florida State <laughs> last year, except with the coaches a little funnier on Twitter. You know what I mean? So, they're taking some guys with like that, that could have too, man. Like, but like FSU, like like Jaheim Bell was someone that they knew they had to de-recruit and try to get him to fit in. Um there was two or three guys like that who they took last night and they were fine with that because they, they knew what the culture was. They knew all the, like who Jordan Travis was. They knew the experience. Ole Miss is doing something similar. Like there are guys that they are taking their class that have some like red flags, not glaring awful ones, but, but really talented guys who like, you know, that'll be an interesting experience experiment. Cause it's, it's a super experienced and talented defense that they're loading up on. But like, yeah, FSU isn't doing that this year because I think they're trying to form a foundation. They're losing a lot of leaders. Yeah, and that's not to say you can't be competitive. This isn't a team that's that's going to be a roster that's going to compete for ten wins next season. Like that double digit wins is going to be within like reason. Um, but you're you're trying to shore up a lot of things rather than maybe just like grabbing everyone at the very top that you did last year. And, and I'm 
at peace with that trade. I think I'm yeah, you're, a necessity right now with where you're at. Yeah, you're build you're building the complete meal. You're not added like the garnish right now. So I think mm-hmm. it's interesting, and obviously we'll give our objective analysis on all this stuff as it flows through. But of course, you're not going to know anything if you're not on Knowles247.com because that's where all that information and news is going to be. So please subscribe if you haven't. This is the time we're being sourced, being intelligent, and being somewhat charismatic is only going to benefit you, the subscriber. So just get on Knowles247.com. And obviously, I described every other single person I work with beside myself. I'm just here because, I don't know, they just need somebody else. You're but either way, the charismatic part, I think, is ah, definitely fair. And you're smart. Yeah, well, we'll see. Anyway, I know you guys are smart because you're sticking with us here on OnTheBenchKnowles247.com. There's a five-star review on Apple. I just feel like we haven't asked for that in a long time, so just go ahead and do that. Love you. Um, and I got nothing else to add, Brendan. I think this is a very, this is a very insightful, uh, very information laden episode. Obviously we're going to do retrospectives on the year. We're going to have all the visit news, uh, pregame analysis, post visit interviews, all that good stuff you've come to expect. I've really got nothing else. I think we can just stick that landing. What do you think? Let's stick the landing. Love you guys. Thank you for listening on the bench. We'll catch you on those247.com. Keep shopping. is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.